Thank you, guys. God bless you. And you can throw up the uh, presentation. Thanks, Mohan. It's good to see you all. And again, to echo Michael, welcome. Really lovely. It's lovely to see every single person here. Everyone here is like gold dust. Don't think you're just a number. You're not. To God, you're precious. And I hope to us as well. Praise God. I'm looking tonight at the top five fascinating life finishes. And I know you might think, oh, Janie, he's talking about death. That's very morbid. (sighs) Do you know, we all have something in common here. We've people who are male and female, who are black and white and brown and red hair and no hair and all kinds of things. We, we, all different age groups. But we have one thing in common, that is, we will all end life. And we can stick our head in the sand and say, not me, yes you, yes me. It happens to everyone. If you look at a lot of the terror about this uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, People are terrified of facing into eternity. I wonder why. I wonder why. Maybe they're just not ready. Many of them may not be. But I'm not going to get too morbid tonight. But I do want to look at what I think are the top five fascinating life finishes. Here's a health warning as I begin. I've taken five, but I could easily have gone with ten. And there's a couple I really struggled with. I wanted to include them tonight. But... I'm going to keep on doing some top five Bible studies, so I will be looking at some lives from different angles. So if you say later on, I think Tom really missed out the best of all, do you know what? You're probably going to hear about it in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, hold your horses, and may God bless us tonight as we read his word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here's my top five. So I'm going to come in at number five, and I'm going to work my way up to number one, to what I think is the most fascinating life finish. I'm going to mix them in with bad debts and good debts because uh, that's actually the way it happens. Some people die fantastic debts and I hope everyone here will have a death like that. Would you say amen to that? Honestly, being in denial won't change anything. Okay? Real people have real debts, and that's how it goes. So let's face up to the fact, and let's learn a little bit tonight, and let's see, can we have a confidence in this life and in the next? So I'm going to come in at number five, and I'm going to start with someone who died in the New Testament. And I find this death fascinating, and it teaches us a little bit about life today. Number five, a man called Herod Agrippa. And I'm going to look at three verses in Acts 12 just to look at this guy. Now, first of all, who was he? He was a ruler in Israel just after Jesus, actually, around that time. Um, And he's the guy who killed or had martyred James the brother of Jesus, the half-brother. He's also the guy, Michael spoke about it recently, he's the guy who put Peter in prison. So this guy had absolutely no interest in anyone else except uh, himself. So that's what we're dealing with, Herod Agrippa. So this guy is very proud, and we're going to zoom in on how he died, 
And we're going to look at Acts chapter 12. And this is where he's about to give a public speech. And he's traveled all the ways up to northern Galilee to a beautiful town right on the beach called Caesarea, called after Caesar, one of the Roman emperors. And he goes up there to make a speech. And this is what happens. Imagine if you're in the big square in Caesarea and you're looking at the most powerful man in your country and he's up there making a speech and this happens. That day, Herod Agrippa wore his royal robes. He wasn't in his trackie. And he sat on his throne and he gave a public speech to the people. They, the people, shouted out, This is the voice of a God, not a man. Suddenly, as he would not give the glory to God, an angel struck him down and he was eaten by worms and he died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. What a way to go. What was going on here? So, let's just look at the main verse there. Because he would not give the glory to God, he was eaten by worms and he died. So, the people kind of had to do this anyway. Oh, you're not human at all. You're like a God. Do you know, there's some people like that today, isn't there? I mean, I I, I know of soccer players, of supermodels, of uh, music stars and celebrities. And people go, ooh, he's a god. She's a god. Well, Janie Max, lads, be wary if anyone calls you a god. Amen. Amen. Some of us are kind of going, mm. Amen. Amen. There's only one god. Hallelujah. And you see... When they shouted it out, and here's putting a bit of flesh in the bones, Herod didn't go, no, 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 I'm not a God. There's only one God. No, Herod went, hmm, hmm. He was accepting it. He was accepting the fact that they thought he was like a God. Now, they're all terrified because he'd chop off your head in a moment. So they're telling him what he wanted. And because he wouldn't give the glory to God, and when you read into this, it's not that he just dropped dead. No, he died later on. But we're told an angel of God came down and struck him. So everybody looking on saw someone appear. Now, when we talk about angels, don't think about a fella with big white wings, all right? That's, that's not how it is. That's some fella in, I don't know, Belgium in 1600 came up with that idea. Angels in the Bible appeared like usually men. So you don't know. They, they don't have wings. But an angel suddenly appeared, struck him. He gets sick. And then afterwards, we're told, he was eaten by worms and he died. Now, there's a way to go. What's the moral of the story? Don't ever exalt someone to the position as if they're like a God. If you're in a relationship and they've got power over you and you're bowing down to that person in an unhealthy way, that's called idolatry. Anyone say amen? We can put a human being like as if they're an idol in our lives, like as if they're someone who's almost like a God. And this guy accepts it. And so this is recorded in the Bible. Why? It's recorded so that you and I will say, you know what? In my relationships, 
I will never exalt any human being to that position. It's not even in a relationship. Sometimes it's a celebrity or God forbid someone in a church like a pastor is put into this kind of position and it is so wrong. So Herod Agrippa had a terrible death but look at the last line and we had just read it as they go back. That's what happened to him. He was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and it continued to spread. So the persecutor of Christianity died, but the word of God multiplied. Hallelujah. So he was a fella against the Christians. He was against the faith, but it got him nowhere. So I think that is a fascinating life finish. That's number five. Let's move up a gear a little bit and look at number four. A gang of youths, or as they say in Dublin, youths. In Cork, we call them young flas. Young flas. A gang of young flas. A pack of youths. We're going to look at two kings, two. Verses 23, 25, going to look at these two verses and we're going to look here at a man called Elisha. Say Elisha. Elisha. Anyone know an Elisha? Yeah, I think we've got one or two in the church. So Elisha was a prophet. And just a bit of technicality, he was an apprentice to an older man called Elijah. But now Elisha is a prophet in the land of Israel. And God is using him greatly. And we're going to parachute in on this man, Elisha, who was on a journey to a place called Bethel. Anyone tell me what Bethel means? The house of God. And right next to there was a Mount Carmel where God moved in power with this guy's um, mentor, Elijah. God did great things there. So this man, Elisha, imagine you're him. You're a prophet and you have given up your life so that God can move in power. So you've poured out your life, you're serving God and you're going up to the house of God and you're going about God's business and you just pass a town. So here he is passing a town and let's see what happens. As Elisha was going to Bethel, some youths came out of the town and jeered at him twice saying go on up your bald head why are you laughing i'm not getting it here so by the way if english isn't your first language youths it's like teenagers so think of kind of 16 year old boys that kind of thing roughly so they shout out to him, not once, twice. Go on up, you bald head. Now, the, here's the good bit. He turned and he looked at them. And he didn't say, ah, boys, would ye be grand? Ah, lads, come on. It's just an excess of a testosterone. Come on. It means I'm a real man. Do you want to see how hairy my chest is? He turns and he looks at them. Here we go. And he calls down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Two bears suddenly come out of the woods nearby and mauled 42 of them to death. And here we go again. 
But Elijah went on to Mount Carmel. This is my favorite part of the Bible. Look at it. Two bears mauled them to death. Again, if you're learning English, what's maul? Maul, I suppose it's an old word, but it basically means you're torn apart. You maul someone. Do you know, I always thought that was a cork word. I didn't realize it was a proper word. But anyway, some of the words in the English language that we speak in cork are really old English words. So there you go. But two bears mauled them to death. And I was just thinking about this. It says there were 42 of them. So we're not talking about three or four young fellas or youths, teenagers. 42. Now, I don't know a lot about bears. We don't have bears in Ireland. But do the maths. That's 21 hairy, brazen, rough young fellas per bear. Now, I can get a bear going after a fella and giving him a swipe. And maybe getting a second guy. And if the bear is really at it, he'll get a third. But 21 each? What's going on there? What's happening? Can I suggest there's something more happening here than just the bear? Remember, it says Elisha called down a curse. So we now have something spiritual going on with this situation. Now you might be sitting there and going, well, a bald fellow would pick out this verse, wouldn't he? Is it that Elisha was just very vain? Was he very self-conscious? Was he in denial? Was he pretending he wasn't bald? No, 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 no. This is nothing about vanity, because bald men are handsome, and everyone knows it! Very right, Roy! Yay! <laughs> this isn't about vanity. This is about them trying to stop him, trying to discourage him. And he wasn't being unfair or unjust here. There was a whole lot of other things going on. I don't have time to go into it tonight. But the, the essence is a whole lot of young fellas teenage boys ended their life and if they minded their own business if they had kept about their own business they'd have lived a full long life but because they weren't minding their own business and they were picking on someone who they saw as being a little bit different because of his hair so let's translate that into our society today Nobody's going to say anything about bald men in Ireland because people love bald men in Ireland. But I'm milking it. Let's say you're a different colour. Let's say you talk a different way. Let's say you're a girl and not a guy or whatever. So there is a, an inherent prejudice going on here and they were stopping a prophet of God who was going to the house of God so that's how they ended their lives and you know when I think of when Peter said to Jesus and Peter was predicting all of the apostles and he was saying you're going to die this way this is going to happen to you and then Peter turned to Jesus and he said Lord what about John over there what's going to happen to him and Jesus turned to Peter and to use the way we speak today he went Peter 
mind your own business. There's nothing to do with you, Peter. What happens in this guy's life is his business. And you know what? Sometimes, sisters, brothers, we got to mind our own business. We look out for one another, but we don't go to that place where we're busybodies. Anyway, here's a photograph of me the other day when I lost my temper with Denise. See, I'm working on my abs. <laughs> so Denise takes photographs of me if I lose the cool. <laughs> what a way to go. Okay, moving on. Roy said I'm milking it. I'll have to move on. Number three, the male ego death. Suddenly all the girls have looked up. You were all looking at your phones and now suddenly you're interested. We're going to look here at the book of Judges chapter 9. We're going to look at a guy called Abimelech. Now, Abimelech had a famous father. Anyone happen to know it? Damien. (laughs) Damien, do you have a son called Abimelech? No, there's no Damien in the Bible, okay. (laughs) Abimelech was the son of a man, maybe I misheard you, forgive me. Gideon. And Gideon is a very interesting character in the Bible because he came out of nowhere. He was known as like the runt of the litter. He was the smallest guy in the weakest family. He had nothing in life going for him. But God came in and put a bit of passion in him and put a bit of courage in him. And Gideon rose up and Gideon did great things for God. Well, Gideon had a son. And his son became a ruler after Gideon died. It was like a king. They were called judges, but it really means a king. But it's interesting. The name Abimelech means my father is the king. My my father is the king. So here we have a guy who's kind of in his dad's shadow. And I don't know, did he ever really get there himself? But he met an end of life situation. And when we look at his end of life situation, he leaked And what I mean by leak is, you and I leak all the time. No matter what kind of um, mask we can put on, the real you and the real me will come out. So you know what? Life is way easier if you just don't wear any mask. Would anyone say amen? amen? To quote a famous Irish writer, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Just be who you are yourself. But this guy had a big ego and... He decides to attack an innocent town because he had a big ego and he attacks this town, but he took on more than he could chew. Judges 9. Abimelech and his army attacked a city with a high tower. And as he came near it, he set it on fire. But a woman, who was up in the tower, dropped a millstone, big stone, on his head, crushing his skull. So he called his officer and said, get your sword and kill me, lest people say I was killed by a woman. So the officer stabbed him and then all the people returned home. They all returned home. My goodness, Ab. Bimelech, my dad is the king. So he picks this city, and back then, if you had a wooden tower or a tall tower, it was wooden. 
So I was down in Ardmore there um, a few days ago with a friend and we were looking at the old round tower in Ardmore from Celtic Christian times. Ardmore apparently is the the first place in Ireland where Christianity took hold. And there's an old round tower, but they're all stone in Ireland. But in the Old Testament in Israel, they were made of wood. And so Abimelech came and he set fire, even though he knew there was people up there. And you might say, what a brazen woman. No, she wasn't. She was trying to survive for her and the people in there. And he attacked it. He set it in fire. And it was a woman, not a man. What a big stone. A millstone is a huge, heavy thing. I tell you, she had some muscles, that woman. How did she get that big stone out to the edge? I'm sure there were a few guys helped her push it out. But the glory goes to the woman. We don't know her name. But the woman pushes it out. And it falls and it crushes his skull. Look what he says. I can't get over this. Get your sword and kill me, lest people say I was killed by a woman. Two things going on here. What will people say? If that's you, if you're really taken up with what people say, you know what? Don't be taken up with what people say. People walk over your dead body. Be taken up of what God says. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because that's real liberty. People will say, and then look what he says. I was killed by a woman. Hmm. Do you know, it's like if someone is dying and they go, would you get me the mirror fast because my hair is tossed? Uh." I mean, who's going to do it? Well, you and I aren't going to do it anyway, Roy, are we? We're certainly not going to get into that one. But can you imagine, someone is dying and they're taken up with what people will say about them. Hello, Abimelech, you're about to die. You're not going to be around anymore. You're not going to be hearing the people in the market or down the square or up the lane talking about you. It's over, buddy. You're going. And he says, I don't want people talking about me. Now, I know there was a bit in that culture, and it was quite a macho culture where you had this thing going on. But you know what? If you're about to die, and I'm about to die, I don't know we should be thinking about what people are saying. We should be thinking about what God is going to say. Hallelujah. And if any of us here are more afraid of people rather than having a good and healthy fear of God, there's something wrong. And the other thing going on here, what a bigot. (laughs) What a bigot. The woman got the better of him. And I thought, well, whatever kind of prejudice this fella had, isn't it fantastic that it came back on his own head? You see, what goes around, what you reap, you sow. You saw? Even you hear people, Hindus, and go on talking about karma and all of that. But just look at the Bible. It's all about it. So here's a guy who ends his life in a terrible way. But it's like he had two deaths. His skull is crushed. And then he gets your man to stab him. But yet again, in all of these, if you call them negative uh, deaths, all the people returned home. Nobody was really too concerned about him. He was such a big ego. They all went around their own lives. 
And there he is worried about what people say. So brothers and sisters, let's be taken up what God says. I love that saying that says, you and I aren't here to serve an audience. When I'm up here preaching, I'm not here to keep a whole lot of people happy because I'm here to serve an audience of one. And that's the Lord. If God is happy and pleased with me, I'm happy. Amen? Amen. Let that be the same for all of us. Praise God. Okay. We're coming up to number two. So these first three debts were, I guess, not very nice debts. Let's look at some interesting debts in a positive way. And there's way more I could go into, but I've chosen two. So let's go to number two. The boring sermon. A bit like tonight. Is the right answer. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, the Christian church has begun to be established and the Christian church is spreading and family members and fellow workers and tradesmen and women are telling people about this Jesus. And so word is spreading and the church is growing. And then Paul, who's uh, one of the writers of the New Testament, an apostle, which means he traveled around to all the churches to encourage them. He comes to a meeting and he starts talking at this church gathering. Now, when I was a young Christian, we used to always call this section of Acts 20 the all-night party. But I don't think it was really a party. It was the Christians getting together. So something strange happened here. And I think it says a lot for you and me tonight. As the Christians met together to break bread, Paul talked to them until midnight, like me tonight. A young man called Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and he fell into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. But then having fallen asleep, he fell from the third floor to the ground below and was picked up dead. But Paul ran down and threw himself upon him and declared, he's alive. Hallelujah. So we know this was the first day of the week. What's the first day of the week? Anyone tell me? Yeah, don't say Monday. It's Sunday, okay? So in the Bible terms, Saturday is the seventh day. Sunday is the first day of the week. So the early Christian church moved from meeting on a Saturday to a Sunday. But it's not like a Sunday here. Everyone was working on a Sunday back then. And half the church were literal slaves. They would, could only get to church if their masters allowed them. So they were all working all day. Paul is traveling through. And word got around that the great apostle Paul is going to meet them in the church that night. But they didn't have their own building, what they had. The church used to meet in what was known as an upper room, which is the top of the house, the third floor. Sometimes it was roofed in, sometimes it was open. We're talking about a hot climate. This is in roughly Turkey, is what we call it today. So Paul goes and he talks to them, and they normally met after work. So it's a bit like night church. So about half a seven, they would have met together. But the meeting is going on. We were always trying to finish for nine. Paul is still talking, and it's midnight. And this guy, Eutychus, it's interesting. You know, anyone tell me what Eutychus means? Lucky. What a name. 
How are you, Lucky? So Lucky is sitting in a windowsill. Not a nice, comfortable seat like you have tonight. He's on a windowsill. And you might say, how did he follow through the glass? There wasn't any glass. <laughs> they didn't have glass. It was just a hole in the wall, okay? We need to get with the architecture back then. So he's sitting on the windowsill. There's no glass. Paul is going on and on. It's not exactly short and sweet. And the young fella, who's probably about 19, he falls asleep in the meeting. And Paul just kept going on and on. And as he fell asleep, he fell down. And he's dead. He's dead. But just to look at it. Paul ran down to him, threw himself upon the dead boy and declared, don't be alarmed, he's alive. So it's a miracle. So really, I'm cheating a bit by including Eutychus or Lucky in this list of top five end of life because while his life ended, hallelujah, his life began again. And I promise you this, without fear of contradiction, Eutychus never forgot that meeting. He never forgot going to church that night when he fell asleep and Paul raised him from the dead. It's interesting that Paul was the first stone and threw himself upon him. Probably Paul felt a bit guilty. I mean, if you meet us, we were meeting now the staff in the church here this morning and we would do, and Michael and myself would do it all the time, we do a debrief, we call it. Just how did church go on Sunday? How can we improve this? What's the learning here? Who do we need to look out for? All of this. And if Paul was having a debrief here in the building with us on Tuesday, we'd be saying, Paul, nobody is that good a speaker, boy. You need to cut your sermon shorter. Hello, Paul, it was midnight. Everyone was up early and they're all getting up early in the morning. You can't do that to them, Paul. So maybe Paul had a bit of guilt going on. But he comes down and he raises him to life. I want to say two things. Number one, just you're lucky, okay? You're Eutychus. You come to the meeting. You come to church. And... Because you're in church, not because you're out drinking, not because you're out causing trouble, not because you had an accident, because you're in church, something bad happens to you. All I can say is prophetically, I believe this is a living scripture tonight. If your head is racing that you're going to pick up something from sitting near someone in here, you know what? If you do pick it up, God will raise you from the dead. Hallelujah. Have a bit of faith. Have a bit of faith. I mean, we said on Sunday, we're not going to initiate hugging or shaking anyone's hand. It's up to you to initiate to us. You won't offend us either way. We don't want to change the culture of the church. We want to continue to be warm and welcoming, but to respect people who might be concerned about it. We won't initiate that. But all I can say is, if something happens to you as a result of you coming to worship God and hear his word, God will rescue you from it and rescue me from it. Hallelujah. And that's what happened to this guy, Eutychus. It was because Paul was rattling on and on. Now, he'd a bit to do with it as well. You know what? It's not very nice to fall asleep when someone's preaching. Isn't that right down the back? <laughs> Actually, when I got saved, and we wrote Myra Linehan's house. You're down there somewhere, Myra. There you are. 
Do you remember, he was, I won't say his name, the lad from County Limerick, anyway. Um, he would be Limerick, Patsy, wouldn't he? Anyway, this lad from County Limerick was coming along, and he worked hard. And I remember any time anyone was preaching, he would fall fast asleep in a small room in someone's front room, Myra's front room. And it's not just that he would be asleep. The guy would be speaking and sharing the scripture, and you'd literally hear... And, and the leader, the, the guy who was speaking, would go, would you shake him there and wake him up? And they'd shake him. He'd go, sorry, sorry, sorry. And five minutes later, <laughs> so we just have to send him out. But he falls asleep. So, you know, the guy was tired, but God rescued him. That's the first thing. The other thing is, here is a Christian. Remember, they were coming to break bread, take the bread and wine. Remember the Lord's death. A Christian loses his way. Uh-huh. Because that happens, doesn't it? Sometimes as Christians, we lose our way. We forget something or we get such a knock in life. Such a knock that we find ourselves falling down. And it's as if we lose our faith. But by the power of God, we're brought back to life. Hallelujah. And here he was, brought back to life. So I think that is a fantastic and fascinating life end because it really wasn't an end. It was a new beginning. I have one more. Are you up for it? What is number one? We had five, four, three, two. Here's my number one and you might go, he forgot the other fella. We'll get to the other fella another night, okay? But here's my number one. Were they really dead at all? What happened? I'm going to look at 2 Kings 2. This is my final uh, person we're looking at tonight. Here's someone, and I mentioned, remember the bald guy, Elisha? Hello? Yeah, good, okay. Because he was the best guy in the Bible. (laughs) Anyway, his mentor, the guy who, who looked after him, the older man who was a prophet was called Elijah. And here we're going to look at Elijah walking with Elisha, the bald guy, okay, who, who he was, uh, who was his apprentice. And the two of them are walking and they know that Elijah is coming to the end of his time on earth. But they're walking and talking. Look what it says. As Elijah and Elisha were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah was then taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha called out, my father, my father. And he didn't see Elijah anymore. Suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared and he was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Here's the thing. Did he die? He didn't die. He didn't die. Not really. Elijah didn't die. He left earth. But this isn't death as we know it. And this is recorded in scripture for a purpose about the power of God. And this is like we saw with Eutychus. And we can see with the widow's son at Nain. And we can see with Lazarus and etc, etc. This is where God intervenes with the physical world and touches it supernaturally. And something powerful happens. And sick people are healed And even the dead are raised. But here, Elijah doesn't even die. So what happened here? Well, there's 
a technical term, a theological term for it. And that term is called translation. So, for example, if I say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, I say it in English. If I translate, translate that into Irish, I would say, it's say, Isa on Tli, on Firina, Agus on Baha. Someone else give me another language. How can you say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life in another language? Who'll say it in another language? Hey, who's that? Is that Portuguese? Good man, Tyrone. I know you've got to come up and say it out loud. Are we, do we want to hear it? Come on, let's hear it. I want another language. Give me, I want three more languages. Someone else with another language, come on, who can say that in your language. Let's hear it. No, come up on stage, come up on stage. Good girl, Heidi. And one more language, we need one more. Tell, this is Portuguese, well, Brazilian Portuguese. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus é o caminho, a verdade e a vida. Give that man a round of applause. You can go down that way. This is Haiti from Mexico. What's the sound like in Spanish? Jesus es la vida, el amor de, de todo el mundo. Say it again. Jesus es el amor y la vida de todo el mundo. Give her a round of applause. Well done, Haiti. Is this Afrikaans? This is Marilyn from Namibia, a country you may never have heard of. But she's going to say it in Afrikaans. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, doesn't that sound cool? Well done, Merlin. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you all. So what did you see and what did you hear there? You heard it in a language most of us understand, English. And then you heard it translated. Well, this is what happened to Elijah. And the theological term is translation. He didn't die. He was translated from one plane of existence to another. Do you think that's too fantastic? No, it's not. God can do it. And it's not the only time we read it. So, for example, we read in Genesis 5.24, Enoch was in constant touch with God and he disappeared for God took him. I love how the old King James puts it. It says, Enoch walked with God and was not. I tell you guys, the back of my neck, the hairs in the back of my neck are standing up. So close were these men to God that they no longer even had to go through death. They literally were translated to God in heaven. And you can read, and I don't have time tonight, about how Elijah appeared to Jesus um, in the New Testament. And Elijah appeared, but of course he had never died. And so he appeared again. It's a fascinating study. But brothers and sisters, what a brilliant way to end your time on earth. Will any of us be translated? <sighs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? Do you know... Do you know how we can aim for that? And you might go, on, this is a load of rubbish. Well, this is the Bible. And the Bible has proven true for thousands of years. How, it's not rubbish, amen. How can it happen? Well, it's always the same. They were so close to God. Constant touch with God. Walked with God. They literally disappear. They go up to heaven like that. Brothers and sisters, let me read one last scripture. I'm just going to read it out. This is from 1 Corinthians 15, and it's verse 50 and 55. Listen, I tell you a mystery. 
we will not all die. But we will all be changed suddenly, suddenly, at the twinkling or the blink of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet, the dead will be raised, we will all be raised, changed, never to die again, changed into bodies that will forever be eternal. Hallelujah. By the grace of God. Now what's going on there, guys? This is my moment now to finish. Anyway, I've got 49 seconds. Let me end with this. Can you throw up the last slide, Mohan? Thank you. Here's what I want to say. The Bible talks about Jesus returning again. Some people talk about it as the blessed hope. Other people call it the rapture. But the Bible tells us that suddenly, just like all those suddenlies you and I just read, suddenly Jesus will return. And those who are dead, who died as Christians, will be raised to life. But all those Christians who are still alive on earth will never die. Hallelujah. We'll be caught up a bit like Elijah. Hallelujah. If Jesus returns in our lifetime, maybe it'll be this week. Maybe it'll be next year. Maybe the coronavirus will separate the wheat from the chaff. Maybe Jesus will return sooner rather than later. But I tell you this. There is a mystery. Not everyone who loves God will have to die. And maybe our generation, in the Bible a generation was 70 years. Maybe those of us alive today will be those who will be caught up on earth. I'm going to pray for two things as we close tonight. Eutychus got a second chance. He lost his way, and Michael touched on it earlier, but he found his way back. I bet you. Every time Eutychus broke bread, took the bread and wine, he remembered the night when he passed over from life to death and when he was brought back again. How could you ever forget it? So some of us need to say, you know what? I need a second life. I need to touch base with God again. And I'm going to pray. Finally, however we end our life, by the grace of God, it will be many years for everyone here. But when we go, and we will, Unless the Lord returns, I pray your going and my going will be surrounded with glory. And it wouldn't be those first three kind of deaths about ego and all of that, but our finishing this life would be so wonderful that we know we're going to a better place. Hallelujah. So that our going will be like we're taken by God. Will you stand? Let's throw up the words of that beautiful song that we're going to sing love this song and we're going to sing about how we end our lives so throw up the words thank you Mohan and John is going to sing it and then we're going to pray for both these things now we go to the, the verse thanks bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul worship is holy